Ashley Goodell's involvement with a company her father and partner started began at an early age. A family business that grew out of a necessity for extra work, Goodell & Cokel today is a well-known construction business serving the Greater Bay Area in a number of sectors. Ashley just became the company's president and looks to change the face of construction across the industry and across the region. Here is her story of how she came to the company and how an improbable time led to an improbable role, but one that will set an example for others in the industry. Welcome to the pod, Ashley. Ashley, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Where do we find you today? Where Where are you working from these days? At the office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like about 90% of my time is at the office. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Well, that means, you know, you guys have, uh, you know, returned safely and feel that you can, uh, you know, operate effectively from from there. So that's good. So, Ashley, by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about who you are, about your company, your your new role there, and sort of how your, you know, winding road of your career kind of got you to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. So, I am with Goodell & Cocoa Construction. I am the new president uh, starting January of this year. So, I started there um, as a project engineer, worked my way up to a project manager, and then this year, I took over the role of president. Lance is my father. Obviously, the name kind of gives that away. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so he started the company. You know, we're a general contractor out here in the Bay Area. He started the company uh, actually based out of Saratoga in 1980. Okay. Yeah, we've been serving in the Bay Area for, you know, well over 40 years now. We do all commercial construction. So, you know, uh, we do a lot of retail, a lot of TIs, market readies, labs, stuff like that. I started here, well, back in, I want to say 2015. Okay. Yeah, I went to the University of San Diego and I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. So, went with business administration, figured that was or hoped that was general enough that I could figure out what I wanted to do later. And it's interesting, you know, I never really, even though this was kind of the family business, my sisters work at the company since 1999. So it is kind of a really family business. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I never really thought or saw myself going straight to the family business. And actually out of college, I worked in pharmaceutical sales for about 10 years. So did that. And then after that, I kind of just got burnt out on they're traveling a lot. Your territories were always changing. Right, so right. I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do after that. So I actually went to Lance and asked for a part-time office job <laughs> while, I, <laughs> while I tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And that's kind of when I fell in love with it. Not too many people get the privilege of working with their family. And I do see it as a privilege. Um, it's very unique and to get to see, you know, my dad, my sister, I have aunts and uncles that work at the company as well, to get to see everybody every day and work alongside them. And we actually all still get along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that is that is very impressive. Well, also, I think, you know, your path to the company, uh, you know, leadership is probably better than most people. I think sometimes where you put, you know, pressure on kids to take over the business, right? It doesn't always necessarily work well. I, I don't know. I think I read some statistic. There's something like 
you know, 50% of the second generation fails and the, something like 90% of the third generation doesn't want to be with the company anymore. So the fact that you got a chance to sort of do some other stuff probably, you know, really prepared you better perhaps than, than had you worked there maybe your, your entire time. But tell us a little bit about the history of the company. I think that's sort of interesting too, right? I mean, it was started by two teachers, right? Yep. So Lance and John Kokel started, um, they were both high school teachers. Lance taught biology in high school and they would work during the summers, you know, odd and end construction jobs. Okay. And then one summer they just, just kind of decided, hey, let's give this a try. I think that's when they were basically kind of giving teachers pink slips at the end of the school year and saying, well, we'll call you back if we need you because of the declining enrollment. So it was out of necessity, sounds like, right, that they picked this up. It was, you know, um, I think they both enjoyed it. I know Lance, you know, when he was younger, did a lot of kind of construction stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think they enjoyed it, but it was definitely out of necessity, you know, two, two young teachers. So working during the summer. But yeah, they just took one summer and said, let's give this a try. And then they never turned back. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you know? So, and then they, uh, John Coco left the company 10 years ago. He retired. And then Lance, you know, ran it by himself. So he changed the dynamic a little bit. Uh, he hired more project managers to kind of take on the role. And he oversaw every each project manager. Yeah, focus more on the operations, it sounds like, right? Yeah, so he now kind of was overseeing everybody all at once instead of kind of running the jobs himself. He kind of yep. had one person in responsible and then he would oversee everybody. Yep, yep. And at that time, did the company already know what it was going to focus on or did it sort of fall into certain areas like office, you know, tenant improvements? You know, how did that evolve? So it's funny. Well, they started as residential. That didn't last very long at all. They decided, nope, residential is not for us. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame, residential versus commercial. So what's kind of, I think, unique about our company is that we've always been really focused on our customers. Yeah. So, you know, even though we started as a Bay Area company and we still are a Bay Area company, really catering to our customers has actually led us to do work in Mexico, Texas. We used to do work in Seattle. So it's kind of been all about the customer and wherever the customer wants. So we had a lot of good relationships with um, some car dealers. So that took us, you know, to building car dealerships in Mexico City. You know, it's always been kind of more about the relationship. And then once they got to know people and build these relationships, then it's like, oh, you need an office TI. Then we'll start doing these. And so it's been really catering to our clients. It's always been our end goal is our client satisfaction. Yeah. Do you feel that's certainly still the hallmark of the organization, you know, even even today? Is that something that you take a lot of pride in also? Absolutely. I think it says a lot for a company to be in business, you know, under the same management, essentially for over 40 years. Yeah. We're still in business. We still have great business. And I would say... 80, 85% of our business is repeat clients or, you know, referrals from those people. And I think that says a lot. You know, we take great pride in what we do. We never want to do, you know, the cheapest job and walk away and kind of not know if it's going to last or anything. We always want to give the highest quality product for the most reasonable price. 
Yeah. In the last decade, construction in the Bay Area has, you know, really boomed, right? I mean, it was uh, it was a region that was uh, you know, not just evolving, but it became sort of a region that a lot of, you know, institutional and international and kind of big national developers and investors sort of paid a lot of attention to. The tech world really exploded in the in the last decade. Tell us a little bit about what this meant for your firm and kind of how you guys navigated through that expansion. Yeah, it was, you know, I mean, it is, still is crazy. The I feel like there's always going to be work construction-wise in the Bay Area. Um, you know, sometimes that area shifts. You know, we saw a lot of the huge build-outs for the tech industry. Now you were seeing kind of this shift into life science, but there's always something going on here. Have you found that to be more challenging because you have to sort of continuously adapt to the to the sort of new world around you? Or or do you guys feel comfortable with that sort of you know evolution that happens constantly? I feel like we are pretty adaptable and it's kind of the same thing, you know, of going from when we started out and working with our clients, we've always kind of worked in various sectors. So, you know, we do car dealerships, we've always done labs, we've always done office TIs. So I think it's one of uh, the really great things is we have such a great team that we've built. So we have people with experience kind of doing a little bit of everything that really helps us adapt to the kind of ever-changing world of the Bay Area here. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And it sounds like that, you know, diversification also was very useful for you guys too. So 2020, uh, obviously a year of uh, disruption. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about COVID, what that meant for you guys as a, as a company, you know, how did you sort of snap into stay-at-home mode, right? What, what did it mean for your projects? And how quickly did you guys get back on the saddle, if you will? We were pretty lucky. We actually had quite a few life science and um, some DOD jobs going on at the time COVID hit. And it seemed like those were kind of the few, very few projects that they still allowed work on. So we didn't, we never, we, I think we only had to shut, really shut down once during the whole COVID shutdown, but we tried to keep everybody on board like our project managers were sure. working from home. So it was it was an adjustment for sure because, you know, you have all of these office TIs, market-ready buildings that were just kind of just stopped, dead stopped. But it did luckily, it kind of, in my opinion, gave us a little bit of a time to reset and kind of catch up. You know, everything was booming so much beforehand. We had quite a bit of a backlog. Yeah. So it was kind of nice once we were able to get started again on the regular jobs, we kind of got caught up with everything. It was kind of nice to take a second and get caught up in the office, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, as much of a disruptor as it was, and it was kind of nice to have maybe just a little bit of a reset. Did you guys find that some of the changes that you made during that time so effective that you're going to continue with that going forward? I think learning kind of that we had to be a little bit more adaptive. I know we've focused a lot more on the life science industry. You know, luckily we were already kind of in that industry, but now obviously there seems to be much more focus on it. So we've actually been working with some of like our site supers on getting them additional training for these types of things. And just, it's kind of taught us that, you know, we really... You can't put all your eggs in one basket, basically, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
So tell us kind of, you know, post-COVID, you know, what's your outlook? I mean, we're not post-COVID yet, but I'm thinking sort of post kind of 2020 and that sort of shock to the system, if you will, right? How have you guys, how is this year looking for you guys? You know, are you staying busy? Do you feel optimistic about this year? Uh, Well, maybe next year, right? What's your sense of the business? Yeah, I think, you know, this year, especially the beginning of this year was definitely slower than most, especially, you know, recent years past. But I feel like things are starting to pick up. It's nice to see, you know, right now where we're at, people being out more, you know, people getting a little bit more comfortable, more people getting the vaccines, people are ready to re-engage. And that's, it's looking for sure, I think, Even now we're getting, you know, more calls of people kind of wanting to look at office buildings, stuff like that. So I think it's definitely looking up. That's awesome. And do you feel that you were brought on to this role at the right time? Do you feel <laughs> do you feel maybe they kind of gave it to you at the worst time? I don't know. What's what's your sense about, you know, about the transition and sort of the timing of it all, right? I feel like it was definitely an interesting time to have to take over. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I, you know, I am very lucky. So Lance isn't completely retiring and it wasn't just like hand over the book and bye, see you later. <laughs> He's um, semi-retired. So he is still there helping me out. And I think I would have never been able to make this transition in this time without that. But, you know, I feel like it's also kind of prepared me for almost anything. If yeah. I can take over and do this transition during during this COVID timing, I feel like I'm pretty, you know, off to a pretty good start here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed, yeah. So, Ashley, the commercial real estate industry and construction in general is not really an industry that's known for a lot of female leaders, right? Yeah, right. But here you are, you know, you are you're leading a, you know, construction company in, as we said earlier, one of the most most sort of important commercial real estate markets in the country. Given everything that's sort of happened over the last few years with sort of the Me Too movement and that kind of stuff, what sort of personal significance does it have for you to also, you know, lead this organization and uh, be put in this place of, you know, leadership and example for others? Yeah, I mean, it's Definitely an honor to be in this type of role, you know, coming into the construction industry. Like I said earlier, I came from pharmaceutical sales where I would say 90% of my coworkers and colleagues were females. And then I got put in this industry that maybe it's 2% um, females. So it, it was quite the culture shock. And I was raised to be such a strong woman and not really see things that way. So coming into the role was a little bit of a shock where I definitely realized quickly that I had to work twice as hard to prove myself, um, to get, you know, to gain people's trust to, uh, you just, it just seems like we got to work a little bit harder to be seen kind of the same way. So to be in this leadership role is really important to me. I think, you know, I have two young nieces. One of them is actually about to graduate from the University of uh, Chico, and she is getting her degree in construction management. So it's really important for me to kind of show that, hey, even though this is a male-dominant field, women can succeed in it as well. Things, you know, like having the crews, the BOMAs, the organizations where people can really network and kind of elevate each other and 
celebrate each other's successes. I feel like so many times in roles, especially women, are kind of taught to be more competitive instead of really elevating each other and helping each other out. So it's just really important. I know um, internally, I've started a group at Goodell and Coco with all the women in it. And it's, you know, just women supporting women in construction, whether that be, hey, let's go out to lunch and just discuss things, topics. Hey, I, you know, this happened to me or, hey, I'm interested in getting more information about this. But just being there for each other, I think, is really important. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Are there any personal goals that maybe maybe you haven't set on paper yet, but things that you would like to accomplish over the next few years in terms of, you know, helping elevate people into into you know higher roles and provide more diversity in the organization? Definitely, you know, just like I said, kind of starting that internal group and. I know for me personally, when I started, we had um, a female project manager who worked for us. And that was kind of really important to me to really neat for me to get to kind of learn from her. So just being that person or, you know, someone for people to come to if they need help or need anything um, is really kind of a goal of mine. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So let's turn to kind of the business of, you know, construction, right? So in the last decade, part of the challenges that were, you know, facing probably you guys as any other, you know, construction company in the in the region was recruiting and finding resources. The the cost of construction keeps sort of, you know, going up, right? I think some people were hoping during the pandemic uh, there would be sort of a, a construction discount, but it appears there's a construction <laughs> premium <laughs> that doesn't seem to be happening yeah. at all. Yeah. I'm sure you're hearing about this every day. I don't need to tell you anything new here. But how do you navigate through through all of that? Where are your priorities with some of those challenges? It is a challenge, definitely. I feel like people with through the whole COVID especially thought that, you know, there would be, oh, construction prices are going to go down. Unfortunately, it, you know, definitely had the opposite effect. We're getting nonstop notices from suppliers. Hey, prices are going up on this. Prices are going up on that. I really just think it's managing expectations. Yeah. Just like when we deal with some some of our clients we've had since company started. And, you know, it's just managing expectations. Because they've been there from the beginning where you used to be able to do a TI for, you know, so many dollars per square foot. And now, you know, you can't do that. So it's, I think it's just managing the expectations and staying on top of things. We've had issues with lead times as well. So, you know, just not overpromising when you know you can't deliver on something, just making sure we do everything we can to get it done. But these are challenging times that we're facing. So yeah. Are you anticipating this costs kind of continuing into into next year? Where do you think some of those things are going to play out over the next couple of years? I think right now, some of the costs, I think will definitely carry into the next year. But I'm hoping, at least <laughs> hoping, <laughs> that, you know, it will kind of even out or come back to a little bit more no- of a normal. I know some of the things are just being able to get items right now that is difficult. And I feel like we are kind of, as we return more to a more normal, I guess I should say, hopefully those things will kind of go back a little bit. Yeah. And on the human side, are you finding it's still pretty difficult to get, you know, workers and, you know, resources like that? Or has that leveled off? 
You know what? We've actually been hiring recently, and I was actually kind of surprised at how difficult it has been to um, find people. So I just kind of assumed, oh, all these people, you know, maybe need work or want to go back to work. Um, but it has been a little bit more difficult than anticipated. So hopefully that evens out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you look into 2022 and also beyond, right, you mentioned earlier that you had quite a backlog of things. How do you anticipate the business going over the next few years? Are you guys going to be busy? Are you guys feeling like you'll be entering some new areas? What are what are some outlooks that you know you have for that? I really feel like things are picking up and I feel like just in general, the Bay Area is going to be, you know, still booming. We're still seeing tons of construction. It's just maybe that maybe there's a little fewer TIs right now and a little bit more life science. But I still think that there's a strong base in the Bay Area here. And I definitely see foresee the next 2022 and beyond being really strong. Yeah. Are you anticipating some of those relationships taking you into other markets too? as they have in the past? I think so. We've definitely been getting more calls from past clients kind of with questions or looking for advice on maybe entering different areas of the market. So I definitely foresee, you know, there might be a shift, especially as some of these companies kind of are deciding, hey, do we bring everybody back to work? Do we not? You know, we're still going to have all these spaces that need to have something done, whether it be you know, building out more individual offices for people as they want to come back, not seeing these big open floor plans anymore? Or do people need more space? Do people need less space? As you as you navigate through uh, some of these challenges, especially, like you said, you know, hiring people, how do you how do you position Goodell and Coal, you know, compared to the rest of the industry? You know, what are <laughs> what are your what are your sort of selling benefits, right, that make things different where you know you are compared to maybe some of some of the other folks in the industry? Yeah, I mean, one thing that's always been kind of stood out to me is how Lance has always treated his employees. You know, he treats everyone like family. And I don't think I really fully understood it until now I'm in that role. When we're even when we're slow, you got to think like all of these people are kind of our extended family. So I work hard to make sure that they have a job to make sure that everyone else's can provide for their family. There's a lot of responsibility in that, and but I don't I don't just see everybody as a number. Yeah, you know, um, we're a small family-owned business, but we got big capabilities. So every employee is really important to us really special to us. You know, we work hard to make sure that they have a job to go to every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ashley, if there's a personal wish of the impact that you'd like to make in the industry and in the company, what is that? I would like to just kind of see more females enter this industry, have people not necessarily see it as such a, you know, male-dominated world. And then as my kind of, you know, final final question, with everything that we've, you know, experienced so far in the last sort of 18 months or so, right, what gives you hope? I would say, you know, it's been really nice to see people's energy. People want to get back to this normal or what we can get to as normal. <laughs> people are ready to re-engage. You see people kind of, I feel like people got this kind of 
a little bit of a reset. Everybody got kind of a little bit of a break and people just seem to have this great energy and they're ready to kind of take everything on and go back out there and, you know, let's be involved in this. Let's do this. So it's, it's been kind of nice to see as the past few months, you know, where people are getting back out there a little bit more, things are opening more. Yeah. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck in your in your new venture. Sounds like your dad's given you quite a bit of stuff to work on. Definitely. Thank you so very much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.